0: Welcome to Don't IEP Alone, the only podcast dedicated to helping parents navigate the IEP process and hosted by a special education advocate. Your host has been attending IEP meetings for over a decade and has helped thousands of parents go from an IEP rookie to an IEP all-star. Be prepared to learn tips that will be a total game changer for you as a parent advocate, and most importantly, your child's outcomes. Partnered with the award-winning Lock-A-Day in Our Shoes, you'll be confident, knowledgeable, and actually looking forward to your next IEP meeting. Don't IEP alone. Get ready. Here's your host, from suburban Philadelphia, Lisa Leitner. Hey,
1: everyone. i give everyone a to get this in your feed. And tune in. There we are. Okay, I'm seeing us on Facebook. If you're tuning leave us a comment, tell us where you're from. Say hi, something. Okay, they're starting to <laughs> Okay, Nashville, Richmond, All right. I'm gonna go ahead and introduce myself and Ashley, and we'll go ahead and get started as people start to trickle in. Um, hello, Connecticut. So, if you if you feel like it, leave us a comment. Tell us where you're from. I'm Lisa from A Day in Our Shoes, as many of you already know. Um, today we're not going to be talking about IEP specifically. We're going to be talking about social skills and SEL, which stands for social and emotional learning. Um, that's kind of a. I would say that's a a wording shift that people aren't really calling it social skills that much anymore are they Ashley it's more SEL
2: it depends I think that's probably the more common terminology within the school system certainly SELs
1: yeah um so anyway I'm Lisa from a Day in Our Shoes and this is Ashley from Mission Cognition so I will let her introduce herself and tell you what she does and what Mission Cognition does
2: Sure. Hi, everybody. So my name is Ashley Rose. I am the owner director of Mission Cognition Social Skills Development Centers. Um, So I am a behavior analyst. I'm a special educator. I started off going into homes, providing one to one support um, using the principles of applied behavior analysis. And I was seeing that there were such significant deficits when it came to social emotional learning building and maintaining friendships um, which really weren't being prioritized as much as I thought they could be so I made that my mission to take that on and I opened up centers where we're exclusively focusing on that so we're providing instruction on um, play and on social skills so, in addition to our on-site center-based services, I also train other professionals um, to provide the same types of interventions. So, behavior analytic play and social skills instruction.
1: Okay, great. Um, so, for those of you who are watching online, you can ask questions, but we're only going to be taking questions as it uh, pertains to social skills and social emotional learning. We're not going to be doing IEP questions per se today unless it's, you know, related to social skills. Um, And the reason I wanted to have Ashley on, and she came as a recommendation from um, Dr. Amanda Kelly, for those of you who watched that a week or two ago, um, is because, of course, obviously, we're isolated. Um, I have not really seen anyone except for my husband and my kids for, you know, going on four weeks. And I... I don't have any social skills issues. Um, I know what I'm supposed to do and I'm I know that I'm not getting enough practice. so I can only imagine what the challenge is like for my son who really struggles with social skills and playing and communicating when um, there's there just aren't any opportunities to practice right now. So let's get into that. Um, oh good, some teachers. Ohio, Connecticut, Kansas, Saskatchewan. Hello. Um, so where do you want to start? Let's start. I mean, here we are. We're all stuck in our homes with our nuclear families for the most part and no opportunities to practice anything.
2: Yeah. So first I would say that there definitely are opportunities to practice. So coming down to how we're defining social skills. So for, for me, that's really just about interaction. So you do have to interact with each other quite a few times throughout each day, um, unless you are completely isolated in, in your own rooms. So we want to break that apart and start to identify what is it that we should or can be working on during those those times. So that's going to be different for everybody, depending upon your your child's age or areas of strength, areas of needs. It's going to look a little bit different for everybody, but we want to prioritize those targets. And you can do that by first seeing. In what ways is it challenging to get along or in what ways are you having to do a lot of the work to keep an interaction going? So if you're trying to have a conversation with your child, do you find yourself asking a lot of questions to keep that conversation going because they're not adding a lot of spontaneous information to that? So that gives you a lot of information about where you can start. If you're trying to prepare dinner and your child um, is struggling to fill that free time independently, that gives you a lot of information about where you can focus those efforts on building that solitary play or leisure skills repertoire. So there's definitely a lot of opportunities to practice things, even though there aren't peers accessible at this time. It's just a matter of reframing some of those priorities or reframing some of those targets. So even though we do offer social skills group instruction in center, there are plenty of targets that I can work on with kids one to one. Not all of the skills are related to peer to peer interaction. So talking about conversation or talking about flexibility or teamwork, sportsmanship, all those types of skills we can work on in a one to one teaching situation or just with members of your of your family so it's really going to come down to again reprioritizing some of those targets so looking a little bit different
1: okay so um let's i mean let's start with functional play then if if your child kind of lacks that functional play skills without i mean how, how does a parent get started with that Right. So a lot of times I
2: find that the play area may be overwhelming. So maybe you've purchased a lot of toys, trying to find something that's going to spark your child's interest. So you may have too much out at once. So trying to narrow that down a little bit. And then also thinking back to we don't always like what we're not good at. So a child may just not know how to play with that toy. So it's not that they don't like it or they don't have an interest in it. There's just no history of, of reinforcement. And what I mean by that
1: If they can hear us, yes. Can you guys, um, can you just click like or something if you see us and hear us? No, no, are we lost? I see us on on Facebook, but
2: i I think someone mentioned it took a few seconds for the comments. Yay! Okay, somebody can hear us. Okay. okay. Oh, there we go. All right, so we were chatting a little bit about um, virtual playdates, um, yeah. which I'm a big proponent of, and I mentioned that we run social skills groups. So, um, in response to COVID, yay, yay, everybody can hear. <laughs> us. Okay, good, yay. Um, so, in response to COVID nineteen, we had to close our on-site centers obviously we couldn't provide those face-to-face social skills groups anymore so we moved to a virtual learning platform Um, and i'll be honest i was initially very skeptical about doing that we're such a hands-on program active and experiential learning i just didn't know if there was really going to be benefit to that but it turned out it was just going to be you know it's a new skill that we had to learn on our end as facilitators with how we could make our screen time those video calls, how we could make them interactive and engaging. So I would encourage you to have your kids video call their friends, FaceTime their friends, whatever it it might be, depend upon what their level of skill is. Structure it, plan activities. Um, There is a website called Two Player Games, um, which you can play with another player. I'm utilizing Zoom, but I do pay for all the bells and whistles. There are a lot of settings that you can go in to make sure that you are secure, but do your due diligence when choosing something like that. If you've heard about the Zoom bombings on the the news, so be careful with that kind of stuff. Um, But there are options for the kids to interact with others through that. Um, I've done a game of Four Corners which was uh, actually quite simple. I just had the kids label the corners of their um, room, whichever room they were playing from. And then we picked numbers from a cup or I had numbers on a slideshow. I played some music. When the music was on, they were able to run around. When the music stopped, they froze in the corner. If their number was called, they were out. We've done scavenger hunts, we've done freeze dance. So there are a lot of things that you can, can do to include peers or include other family members. Also, just having a conversation or I gave the example of the show and tell show and tell or show and share is great because you're making comments, you're asking questions, all of those components of a reciprocal conversation. So hopefully that helps give some ideas um, for the person who asked about a virtual play date.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of a show and tell.
2: So for us, we do, we do that in a little bit of a more structured way because it's in group. I have very specific goals and objectives for the kids. So all, they, all I wanted them to do was hold up their item and say, this is my shark tooth. That was it. And then the other audience or the other participants all had to each ask a question about that, that item. That was their target skill, asking questions to gain more information. So just the way you structure activities, you could highlight certain skills. Um, I don't know if we lost down when we were talking about the, um, functional play skills repertoire, but going back to our, our population of learners or our, our kids who are really struggling to fill, um, their downtime or their free time. So maybe they're engaging in a lot of stereotypical behavior or repetitive behavior. I'm not really sure how to play. Um, and I really think it is important to Explicitly teach our kids how to play. Not every child needs to love to play with cars or play with dolls or play with farm animals, but they need something that they enjoy playing with. When we talk about play, it should be spontaneous, it should be enjoyable. You should see positive affect, you should see variation. Um, Why I feel that's so important is because I'm always saying if you can't play alone, you can't play with others. So you're not able to build those higher level social skills if you didn't build first build that foundation. So you need that functional play skills repertoire so that once you're playing with something, it opens up opportunities for others to then join you in that play play activity. Or if you see others playing with something, you can join them and make some sort of on-topic contribution. Um, I gave the um, tip or strategy to limit the amount of toys that you have out and really go through and systematically Teach how to play with each of those, um, but try to teach it in a very fun, engaging, exciting way. It shouldn't feel like work. If play feels like work, take a step back. You might just be coming on a little bit too strong.
1: Okay. Yeah, I know for us, it, it kind of feels like seat work too often. You know. Right. Um, I think that's,
2: I'm really glad you said that because you really want to place an emphasis on imitation. So if I sit down and I just start to play with something and I have really good positive affect and I'm having a good time, I want to see that child approach me. So approach me, see what I'm doing. Maybe I just kind of casually offer um, a car to them if I'm playing with ramps. If they take that car, great. Then maybe I put my car down the ramp. Maybe they're imitating. I don't want to see a lot of do this, copy me, follow me. That's teaching the child to follow directions. I argue that that's not necessarily teaching play. I want to teach see toys, play with toys. So do a lot of modeling, make your play look as fun as possible and try to lure the kids to want to approach you. If you have a child who hasn't shown a lot of interest in toys or play activities and they approach you, that's a win. That is great progress on its own. So then systematically work your way up to having them accept an offered item, then copy um, an action. But imitation is really crucial. It's really how we learn. Um, If you have kids who are at home and are, uh, you know, attached to the iPad or attached to YouTube. Think about how you can get a little bit more creative in in that way too, with increasing some more interaction. So if they're watching a video of something, are there actions that can be imitated? Can you pause? Can you say hi to the characters? Can you follow along and do what it is that the characters are doing? Imitation is really so important. Um, So that's a nice, easy thing that you can do and embed because I know so many of our kids are just, you know, stuck on YouTube all, all day now. It's, it's, it's hard.
1: Right. Um Kristen says the video play dates are better than no contact. And I completely agree. And I would say, um, you know, my son is has a lot of challenges and he um doesn't have a great joint attention, he doesn't have a lot of focus. And I've I've said this for a month now that I was the first person in line saying that, hey, online learning is not gonna work for us. Um, and I've been very pleasantly surprised as and I'm also hearing from his schoolmates, um, parents, you know, of his schoolmates, that our, our kids are responding much better than any of us anticipated to um, the Zoom stuff. So I would say, even if if you're thinking it's not going to work, give it a chance. Um, just hearing, you know, the first time when he heard a familiar voice and saw a familiar face, um, you know, after not having seen anyone for about two weeks. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be like the regular classroom. It's not going to be like a regular play date, but it's still is going to have some benefit probably.
2: It's gone far smoother than I could have ever imagined. I really had to look through all of our kids and say, who who do I think was a candidate to make that move to virtual learning and who was not And I have had a couple of kids I was on the fence about. There's some challenging behavior, disruptive behavior. Um, and they have really
1: taken me by surprise. So give yeah, it a try. Yeah, uh, okay, Roxanne wants to know, as, as a school social worker, wondering how I can support my kids with social skills during this time.
2: Uh, so really, I would want to break that down further. So when you're talking about social skills, what are the specific skills? And we talked about social interaction skills. So are is it a, a, a skill set that can be worked on with siblings, with family members? So you want to have those, those goals in mind, those specific, measurable, observable targets even though we're not in school because social skills is such a such a global label so we really want to be more specific in what we're talking about um, if it's flexibility for example we really want to still make sure we're sticking to some sort of routines so and we're all not completely losing our minds as we're home all day long but introducing some flexibility within the, those routines um, so maybe playing games in a uh, common games in a, in a newer different way or using materials, um, in a different way than their, their design. So promoting some of that cognitive flexibility, um, or if tolerating losing is an issue, making sure that you're playing some sort of competitive games. I know that's a big one for, um, for a lot of us with anything, you don't get better at it unless you practice. Um, And we're locked down. We don't want to make our lives miserable. But you have a lot of opportunities to practice now when we're not running around to all these different activities or therapies, you know, rushing home from work, whatever it might be. So really trying to look for the silver lining in that and picking. Don't don't try to tackle everything, right? Pick one priority target and commit to focusing on that. Identify multiple times throughout the day where you can embed that that practice.
1: Right, I I think when um, Amanda and I talked last week, we talked about you know you don't want to be antagonizing your kid all day every day. That's not helpful. But at the same time, we still have to give them some challenges and challenge them, and give them opportunities to succeed and opportunities to fail. Because otherwise, then when we go back, if they haven't been challenged or confronted, you know, with anything. Non-preferred for six weeks or however long this ends up being, it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to go back.
2: Right. Well, yeah, we're setting them up for for failure, and really, that's where growth comes from too. You have to challenge the kids, but you also want to make sure that you put in levels of support to help them be successful and work through that. So we don't want to set
1: them up. We don't want to set them up for failure, but we do want to set them up for growth. Right. Um, good. Okay. So let's get into. Let's see. We talked about functional play and leisure skills. What about perspective taking? Okay, so perspective taking, I often tie to nonverbal communication.
2: Um, So in our center, we have a large um, ASD population. I also have a a very large ADHD population. Um, So it's my group of kids that are just really very impulsive. They're kind of talking at you, not really with you. They're missing the mark. They're not reading and responding to those nonverbal cues. One um, type of activity that we do, which is really fun, something easy you can do at home is what we call no talking games. So do any type of um, common routine activity or some sort of game where in order for you to accomplish it, you're just you're giving the response with just your face. So, for example, you may say something like, um, I'll try to figure out which shirt I want to wear today and your child might hold up this shirt and you're just shaking your head no or you're shaking your head yes so teaching the kids to orient toward the face and recognize that your facial expression these types of gestures can give you a lot of important information so that's a foundational level just orienting to that reading and responding to to cues to determine likes and dislikes um you can then expand upon that so you can do something where you're doing um A sequence. So maybe you put out out a bunch of different items or activities or you write things on um, index cards and it might be things that you hate and then things that you love. And you're changing up your expression a little bit more to convey different intensities and the kids can start to put them in in order. So that's something even if you just took 10 minutes a day and you interacted with your child without talking, it's so interesting to see how much they slow down and how they have to orient toward the face to accomplish their goal. So that's a nice foundation for working towards the perspective taking. Um, Outside of that, there are some um, online activities. If you're familiar with Everyday Speech, that's a great website. Um, They have a lot of nice video models. Watching just regular TV shows on mute, And trying to narrate that and ask questions about what you think is happening um, and really emphasizing, hey, did you know that we can communicate without words? How do you think so-and-so is feeling? Is there a problem here? What do you think the problem is? But did they tell you that? How did you know that? And we call it tacting public accompaniments, but that just means that you got that information because there's something in that scene or that picture that you can label. I think that they're upset because I see them frowning or I see the ice cream cone on the ground or I see that toy is is broken. So that's something that you if, if that's a target skill for your child, that's something you can embed into your day. Watch a, you know, a show for 15 minutes on mute or 30 minutes. If you look on YouTube, there's a lot of silent film. Clips, there's a very funny one with um, birds on a, a wire is one that I often use in in group. So narrating that scene and then asking questions about what you think is happening is starting to draw some inferences can really help with that nonverbal communication and perspective taking.
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, so far the novellas are really good for that. Yes, very Animated expressions. Absolutely. Okay, so what about communication and conversation for our kids who are a little bit more challenging, either with reading social cues or they just struggle with communication?
2: Um, So again, breaking down communication. So if your child is struggling to get their wants and needs met, that's gonna be first and foremost. So making sure that they're able to request the things that they want and need throughout the day, they're able to start to self-advocate, to say no, or to make choices. That's gonna be a very important um, foundation. Then we wanna move more toward um, requesting information. So higher levels of requesting. You can hide. So if you think about your daily routine, the kids know where things are in the house. So you want to, um, increase that motivation to ask questions because asking questions is an important piece of, of conversation. So you can hide common items. You can, um, hide the toothpaste or hide the toothbrush. If you have a child who really does want to brush their teeth, which for we're home on quarantine, that's probably a fight in itself. Um, hide the iPad, hide, hide things that are typically in, um, you know, a designated area that increases the motivation for them to ask where now the answer is serving as a the reinforcer. They really want to access that answer. You can do that throughout the day. OK, um, so starting to ask questions and then making comments. One of the foundational things that we do is working on reciprocal commenting. So I might say something like, oh, I'm, I'm wearing a black shirt. You might say me too. Um, Or if you're having breakfast in the morning, I'm having cereal, I'm having waffles. So, starting to get into that back and forth of um, on topic commenting also starts to build a nice foundation for conversation. So, conversation is very complex. Break it down. Conversation includes questions and comments, okay, but also then that nonverbal communication piece. So break it all down and pick one target and then find a way that you can incorporate that throughout your daily routine um, for multiple opportunities for practice each day.
1: Okay. Um, Marcy has a question. Um, A student doesn't react well to video chats. Is there anything she can do as a distant teacher? Oh, that's a little tricky. Um, I would try to find out more information about why that might be aversive um, to them?
2: Is there um, something that's highly preferred that you can embed into those video chats and just really work on building that rapport, initially trying to pair it with something a little bit more reinforcing? But we we would need more information about that um, in order for me to really give you some solid um, solid guidance.
1: Right. And then I um, advice I've been giving is also that if you're doing video chats, you Oh, I did just get an error message that says they're having high, um, Facebook's having high service loads. Ah. That's the issue. So everybody's home, so everybody's on Facebook. Yep. Um, all right, so third time's a charm. If um, we're going to make one last attempt to kind of wrap this up, and if it doesn't work, then we're going to kind of call it a day because this is crazy. Um, where I got cut off is... Uh, Someone had asked as a teacher that their child wasn't responding to the video chats, and I said the teacher can also train the parent. It doesn't have to be one-on-one with the student; it can be one-on-one with the parent, and um, whatever designated time, you know, she had set aside to work with the student, work with the parent instead. And um, my message to parents was, you know, just do the best you can. I don't want to put more pressure on you, and that you know, now you have to receive all this training and be doing all this stuff. But if you want to, um, that's certainly an option. Absolutely.
2: It's already a stressful time. So any of this is meant to be helpful, not add additional stress to that plate. Um, so I was commenting that in center, our youngest is two and a half. Our oldest is is 20. But we know it, regardless of age, it doesn't mean that all of our learners have the attention span um, to be able to attend to the screen or have the cognitive abilities to really benefit. So we have a large population of learners that we just, it wasn't appropriate to do the virtual learning. So we move towards working and coaching the the parents. Hey, let's look at your day-to-day routine. Let's break that down. Where can we embed some of this play and social skills instruction so we can keep the momentum going? But I'm certainly not going to sit a two and a half year old, um, you know, across the screen from me and try to run group. It would not at all simulate the type of work that we do in center, it would certainly add extra stress to the family. It's just not developmentally
1: appropriate.
2: So I'm, I'm very glad that you brought that up.
1: Right. Okay. Um, let's see, what else do we have on our list to talk about? Oh, ways, just other ways for families to stay connected while they're, you know, stay connected with others, family, friends, or what would you do? You know, my son doesn't have any friends. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think really just trying to build a rapport within your own family and saying, hey, you know what, it's a stressful time, but in some ways it's a more relaxed time, too, because I, I mean, I think a lot of us are in the same boat where your schedule is just packed you know, moment to moment every single day and you're rushing and you know there are certain skills or things that you want to work on. I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. It's just easier for me to help them get get dressed or it's just easier for me to help them do this or, or, or do that because we have to get out the door. The bus is going to leave without us. So now is the time. Um, a little bit more difficult if you're in a situation where you are working from home. Um, but even in that situation, sit and think and really start to reprioritize those targets again if your child is not able to safely or productively fill that downtime focus on that independent play and leisure skills repertoire that's going to be critical it's huge for them Um, that's a skill that's going to be just be needed across across the board Um, in terms of staying connected as a family what can you do together sports really are great and I know a lot of kids hate sports um, but we do a lot of those types of activities um, and I call them hustle games because it's just the reciprocity that's also needed in social interactions. So the awareness of the the group, your timing, that back and forth. Um, so just a quick game of of catch. If the ball rolls away from you, how many of our kids would kind of just stand there and not hustle and running and, and get it back? So turning that into a fun um, a fun game. We do a game of wall ball. So things that seem like oh well, that's just sports or that's a gross motor activity. There's so many parallels when it comes to the social interaction. Um, we talk about latency. If somebody walked up to you and said, hi, what's your name? And it took you 30 seconds to respond. They probably walked away. So that's a social skill in itself. So I really like the, the back and forth and the reciprocity of um, gross motor type type games. Um, and then, certainly, if it, again, we talked about the tolerating lo- losing, um, you know, playing board games or playing card games, spontaneous commenting during card games is great for conversation. Um, so, if you have a child who maybe isn't ready for um, such rule based games, play in a modified way. So, you just put cards down on the table and say, I have a nine, I have a six, I have a seven. There's that reciprocal commenting that you're you're doing so maybe you're not playing the game but you're certainly working on a social skill or you're working on a communication skill so just be
1: creative um and feel free to modify that the activities that you're you're doing yeah and i think this is you know i I keep reminding parents this is a time where we actually have pretty much 100 percent control over our kids environment which never happens um and I do hear from a lot of parents over the years as far as I wish that they would try this or I wish they would approach my child this way or I wish they would respond to my child this way instead of this way. And now is your time to actually do that you know, consistently and it doesn't have to be complicated, but you know, keeping a notepad in the kitchen, you can get great data on what's working um, and just have so much more data to go back to your team with and say, hey, during this four or six weeks, this is what we did and this is what worked.
2: Yeah, what worked, what didn't work, because you're going to try some things that were crashing and and crash and burn. um, And that's all important information as well. And also what's most important, what's most socially significant, what's really going to improve your child's quality of life and the quality of life of the family members around them, increasing that independence, increasing opportunities for social interaction once we go back to, you know, normal life. Right. Okay.
1: Um, it doesn't look like there's any other questions. Do you want to tell us where we can find you and what services you offer if people want to learn more about what you offer and what you do? Sure. Um, so, oh, we lost sound again, I think. Then I'll, you know what, then I'll just do it. It'll be on this recording, so I will download it and upload it. Okay. Oh, sounds good. Okay.
2: Yeah. And if people post questions on the the thread, I can try to hop over and, and answer them there. I feel badly.
0: Thanks for listening to the Don't IEP Alone podcast. No parent should have to IEP alone, and with A Day in Our Shoes, you don't have to. For more IEP assistance and letter templates, visit adayinourshoes.com. For ongoing assistance and support, follow our Facebook page and group.